1: Football, Canton,
2: Ohio. Hello and welcome to another episode of the College of Canton podcast, the perfect show for any and every college football and NFL fan. I'm your host, Travis May, and you can find me on Twitter at FF underscore Travis M and titan travis on clubhouse if you're joining us for the first time college to canton is a show about the journey of the best football players in the world they're up from high school football recruits through college and through the nfl draft all the way to the discussion as to whether they should be in the pro football hall of fame we always talk some fantasy football since this is a road of his radio podcast but we always make sure to dive into some real college football and nfl analysis too and I'm joined once again by my uh, faithful co-host here, Stéphane Leco. You can find him on Twitter at Staveon Leco. Uh, he is the host of the Rotoviz College Football Podcast as well, and a and a writer here with the Rotoviz Devi Fantasy Football Team. Welcome back, man!
1: Yeah, good to be back. Yeah, I think you talk about some college stuff, man. This is great.
2: Oh yeah, and you're joining me from uh, Seattle this week. I mean, just mixing it up, huh?
1: Yes. Yep. Traveling around up in Seattle this week. We're on our way to uh, to the San Juan Islands, just off the coast of Washington, and near the Canadian nice. border. It's going to be lovely.
2: Nice. And I hear that uh, you you tried your hand at some skimboarding, which was uh, I love to do.
1: Yes. Yeah. We tried it yesterday. We went down to the beach. There's like a small, like it's a beautiful beach, but there's like a little tiny creek there as well. So you can either do it in the creek or just do it right on the shore and it looks it's one of those things that looks a lot easier than it actually is because when i got (laughs) out there uh i had some pretty good biffs it was pretty epic and uh today my legs are so sore like my hamstrings are killing me
2: (laughs) (laughs) i bet man as few of our loyal listeners and league mates of not mine know and uh, we'll joke. In fact, it, it, it's a thing now, like I, if if I take too long to make a pick and a couple of my leagues are like, oh, Travis must be off skimboarding again. Uh, so, yeah, that, that's one of my favorite things to do. Uh, but even it, I'm not that great at it, but it, it will uh, hurt if you <laughs> if you screw up. But this is not actually a skinboarding podcast. This is actually yes, a football podcast. Yet. We're going to work on that. Yes. Yeah. We'll, we'll mix it up and uh, sprinkle some stuff in there. Maybe uh, our favorite uh, wipeout stories or something later, but not right now. Uh, we're going to pivot back to some college football talk. We've been going back and forth talking about rookies in the incoming class this year headed to the NFL. Talking about some NFL uh, future Hall of Famers. Talking about some college players. We even had earlier to start off the summer. We had a mixed Devi and rookie draft. Uh, but we are going to pivot back to the Debbie or college side of the ball. And if, again, listeners, if you're newer to the show, we've been adding some people, some new new faces this summer. If you're not unfamiliar with Devi fantasy football, you basically can just roster players while they're still in college, and then when they graduate or declare early, they're automatically on your favorite fantasy football team. So we're going to talk about our top candidates to make a difference in the NFL here soon. Uh, in the 2022 draft, 2023, 2024, some of the biggest names, and uh, talk about the Rotoviz. Rankings specifically—that is, me, Stefan, and Matt Wispey—who could not join us on this special episode—but talk about some of the most controversial names and some of the ones that we are most confident in, as well, in terms of maintaining their value through this fall uh, and maybe even seeing a spike here in the near future, since college football is, believe it or not, like what, just one, one month away. So without further ado, I just want to jump right in and talk about some of these quarterbacks because we just saw five first round quarterbacks this year. There was a real chance that even as late as November or December that we would see uh, there was debate as if we could see six first round quarterbacks in this draft. And it ended up being five next year. looks to be another draft with several quarterbacks that have solid passing efficiency profiles Uh, so I just want to kick it off to you uh, because it looks like on you and I and Matt we really have a pretty clear top four quarterbacks that we believe will be early first round draft picks uh, right now don't we
1: yeah I mean the I think the interesting piece of it is that the guy that you and I are the highest on and I think Matt is too he's not actually going to be eligible for this upcoming draft because uh DJ Youngile, he's still gonna have to wait a year. But um, but beyond him, there's a yeah, there's a handful of guys that I think are are gonna be really interesting. I, f- I find it difficult to to rank them honestly. Like in, in drafts, I, I keep back and forth on wh- on which guy I like the most. So like whether it's you know Rattler or Howell, and then you know Slovis and even Jaden JT Daniels, it's a toss up. Depending on the day, I, I can I can lean different directions.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Once you get past the top tier guys, uh, there are so many different ways you could go because there are so many guys with great passing profiles in uh, today's game where we see just incredible efficiency all over uh, college football. But DJ Uyunglele uh, of Clemson, uh, Spencer Rattler of Oklahoma, Sam Howell of North Carolina, and even though we've not seen much of him on the field, Bryce Young, quarterback, Alabama, those are our top four. All of them we have as first round uh, Debbie draft picks uh, clear just easily. And then we kind of have a tier break. After that, I mean, it gets down to Keaton Slovis, which I think a lot of people still have him up in the same tier as the guys that we just mentioned. Uh, but you do have uh, even some of the freshmen like Caleb Williams going to Oklahoma behind Spencer Rattler. You have Jaden Daniels over Arizona State. You got CJ Stroud at Ohio State. He looks to be the front runner to win that job this year and uh, immediately replace Justin Fields in just an absolutely stacked wide receiver room there to, to kind of toss the rock to. And then JT Daniels, he's without J, you know, George Pickens, but he, he really came on strong and posted a 90th percentile plus uh passing efficiency year last year. And then you you know, even you you get to guys like um uh, Malik Willis of Liberty, kind of this crazy dual threat, awesome, fun passer. Uh, some people, due to his arm strength, they are projecting him for first-round capital. So uh, do you have like a... I know you said you kind of go back and forth a little bit with the tier two guys, but as of right now, today, do you kind of have a my guy in that tier two that you keep on finding yourself ranking higher and higher? And as you kind of look at your own ranks right now, you may even find yourself amping up just a bit here soon?
1: Yeah, I think it's Daniels. And before you ask which one, the answer is both. <laughs> <laughs> JT both, and Jaden. Both. Yeah, JT and Jaden. Um, I think my biggest concern with Jaden Daniels, was the size like he's just a small dude. Like, he, I think he he uh he asks a lot of questions. Like, you have to have, have a lot of faith in him to be able to avoid some of those big hits when he does run the ball because he did increase that part of his game. Um, even I mean, Arizona State only played in four games last year, so it's really hard to 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 really project much from that, but he did put on some weight this offseason. He has just incredible efficiency. I, I really love him. I think so far through two seasons, he's only thrown three interceptions. That's off the top of my head, so I'm not 100% sure on that. But yeah. I'm, I just wrote an article on him, so I think that's right. Um, but he's just so good. Um, I really, really like him. And then, like you said with JT, Daniels, like seeing the the transformation of that Georgia offense once he entered the scene, it's like night and day. So if he gets a whole year, like, sure – I think we're all upset that we don't get to see George Pickens out there. However, like Eric Gilbert is there now, if I'm not mistaken. And they have brought in a couple other guys. Uh, uh, Karis Jackson, he's coming back. He's he's productive receiver. So I think he could be um, absolutely outstanding. And given a full season to show us what he has, I think he could move up boards pretty quickly. So the, both the Daniels um, are guys that I'm I'm really happy if I miss out on one of those tier one guys, I'm really happy to put my faith in them as my QB uh, moving forward for, for Debbie purposes.
2: Yeah, that that should be a lot of fun to see what happens with both of them in, in different situations. Arizona State, though, I'm not really sure what's going to happen. I, I'm thinking the longer the investigation takes uh, with the allegations of their recruiting violations and such, I'm thinking whatever happens in terms of penalty, Uh, especially when it comes to the players and everything, it looks like it's probably going to be beyond this season. Uh, Let's hope that's actually the case so that Jaden Daniels can get a good season. He didn't look exactly as efficient last year. The whole offense struggled. It was a weird year. Uh, His COVID season, they were probably one of the more affected teams of the bunch last year. Oh, yeah. So, uh, he does have a like a 92nd percentile passing efficiency season under his belt and a year where he actually accounted for more than 20% of his team's rushing yards uh, as well, which I'm actually about to release a piece over at RotoBiz on how important it is to mix in passing efficiency with peak solid rushing yard market share numbers for quarterbacks in in both predicting draft capital and predicting future fantasy points. And Jaden Daniels has one of the best mixes of those two. So he's a a solid bet, uh, just analytically speaking, moving forward, regardless of how skinny he may be. Uh, But my guy that I'm finding myself ranking higher and higher and higher, despite the fact that he doesn't have that 90th percentile plus, you know, top tier, top notch, passing efficiency season just yet uh is malik willis of liberty uh, he came in a former auburn guy transferred to liberty liberty and their offensive scheme they, they just said hey malik just just go sling it around a bit and hey just go run it around a bit to the tune of accounting for nearly 40 percent of that offense even on the ground uh so malik willis you know the, the first overall pick in most college fantasy football drafts uh by many people's rankings all over the place Uh, looks like he could take an even further step this fall. Uh, And if he cleans up his his passing efficiency numbers in terms of accounting for various schematic variables and such, um, I really could go all in with believing in Malik Willis because he's got some arm strength. He's got the crazy mobility. He doesn't have that perfect ideal size, uh, but he's a lot of fun. And a couple other guys that that I like that I hope get drafted at least, I don't think that they're going to be first-round picks, but analytically speaking, they should be guys that get some capital. Uh, Malik Cunningham of Louisville and Eric King of, of uh, Miami, guys that have that um, that have that fantastic 90th percentile plus uh, peak passing efficiency numbers and. Uh, solid rushing uh, rushing yard market share, easily over the, the you know minimum threshold we like to see of like five percent. They're actually almost twenty percent for both of them. Malik Cunningham of Louisville and Eric King of Miami. So there's some fun mobile guys that might end up getting some some capital here and there. I know we love to see like top tier, top notch, first round guys only. Uh, but I always love rooting for those uh, mobile guys that are just a lot of fun to watch. Cause I think that's, I mean, that's really where the NFL is headed, right? Like this stach- statue, yeah. quarterback things like almost dead. Right.
1: Yeah. And that like, when we get into some of these uh, freshman guys, uh, I think that's where I differentiate a lot of them is the people like these, these players that don't run much and haven't proven to run much kind of make me nervous. Like a Sam Huard, for example, like he has, 107 career rushing yards like no thank you i'm gonna pass on that because i don't see that being the future of the nfl and even if it is uh, for fantasy football we all know that like running quarterbacks even if it's not like a lamar jackson type runner but being able to contribute to some degree in the rushing game is absolutely imperative if you want to get an edge in 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 most of your leagues oh yeah. Uh, but i wanted to about malik willis uh, i just pulled up liberty's schedule um, and their uh, power five opponents this this year are Syracuse and Ole Miss, so I can see why <laughs> that's what I'm saying. Fantasy college yes. uh, production. He's going to be lights out because he's not playing against no. anybody this year. He, he uh, can, but do you think that do you oh. think that will hurt him as far as draft pedigree goes? Like where he honestly. Gets- Hey, I,
2: if the NFL clearly doesn't care about uh, competition or level of schedule or level of play almost at all uh, because they just drafted Trey Lance top 10 and Zach Wilson right, right. top 10. Zach Wilson didn't even, he barely had a top 100 schedule in terms of difficulty yeah. last year. Trey Lance had one game last year against Central Arkansas. And so Malik Willis absolutely just runs college football like I believe he will next year. Uh, I think he's going to be one that soars up in the into the, the range of Spencer Rattler and and uh, Sam Howell, and is right next to them, and I'm not there with a guy who some people really like, and that is Carson Strong of of Nevada. So he's all he is going to have those competition questions, and that he plays absolutely no one because right now, frankly, the Mountain West isn't super high, and. Uh, then there's the fact that he's uh, not even just a zero in the running game he's actually a negative in the running game he accounted for negative 8.5 percent of uh, the rushing yards for Nevada in his best passing season Uh, so he's an absolute zero as a rusher so I mean ideally even if you think he has decent arm strength uh, maybe at best we're talking about like regular season Eli Manning Uh, so sorry I'm not really excited uh, about uh, that kind of upside in today's nfl uh i'm just not going to get there with him and i honestly at this point doubt he gets early first round capital like he might be a guy that uh gets that mac jones treatment because mac jones was but even mac jones was like a not a negative he was just barely like breaking even on the rushing yard scale <laughs> uh so he's i i don't get the argument for carson strong he does some fun things from time to time but Uh, Not there for me. And that is my concern with JT Daniels at Georgia, just because he's also a big negative in the rushing game. Uh, So those guys are going to have to figure out a way to get mobile, uh, as well as even Keaton Slovis, uh, not as big of a negative in the running game. He can at least manipulate the pocket a little bit better than strong. But uh, they're going to have to find a way to contribute, or I don't think that they're going to get the capital that uh, a lot of people are expecting them to get. In fact, do you know how many quarterbacks in the last five drafts uh, that were a negative in the rushing game, uh, actually saw first-round capital. That were... A negative. Like, actually had, in their peak efficiency passing season, they actually had negative rushing yards.
1: And I'm guessing maybe there's, like, one or two outliers, but I'm guessing that number is going to be close to zero.
2: Yeah, it's uh, there's been 19 first-rounders in the past five years, and uh, only one of them had negative rushing yards. And do you know who his name is? Give it to me. Josh Rosen.
1: Yeah. The, dude, <laughs> that was really well, the right? There's out there somehow, man.
2: Yeah, dude. Oh my gosh, I and get it? I that went really it. well. That that's what a non-mobile quarterback looks like in the NFL. Uh, the team uh, apparently just uh, gives up on them immediately because uh, yes. you have to, <laughs> you have to. Like, yeah. I mean, I get it. Like Tom Brady still slinging it. A bunch of experienced old guys who have 20 years of experience slinging it around and standing like a statue. They can make it work. Because they've got the experience, but in today's NFL, it's just dead. It's no longer there. It's not going to be a thing. So these guys are going to have to add something in the run game this year, or they're not getting first round capital. Just not going to happen.
1: Yeah, like I think to your point, like I think a Carson Strong ends up, you know, early day two type type capital would be my my guess. But yeah, Drew I mean, Locke treatment. Someone will someone will want him because that you know six foot five or whatever, and he's got the build of one of those quarterbacks. He's got the arm talent, and he'll have the numbers. But to your point, I think anyone's going to be like, let's build our franchise on this guy.
2: Yeah, exactly. Maybe maybe he gets the Paxton Lynch treatment because somebody's really bad at this and ignores analytics uh, in in the year 2021 or 2022 next spring. Uh, But uh, his his career is probably going to go just as well. But uh, you know, I'm not saying that there aren't some great profiles to get excited about. I think that based on just the passing efficiency numbers for current college passers, we could see a record number of, Uh, signal callers get drafted next year we could see 15 plus guys get drafted i'm just saying the the negative rushing yard guys in today's day and age probably aren't the safest bets but let's let's squeeze in some tight end talk here before we talk about some controversial running backs and wide receivers that we have ranked here and there and by the way actually before we move away from quarterbacks the the top four just so listeners know we don't have four quarterbacks that we are pretty confident in. we mentioned that but really we have i think Let's see, in kind of the Tier 2 range of our ranks, we have a total of, like, seven guys, all of which we talked about just in passing, Caleb Williams and Tyler Buckner being the true freshmen up there. And then that Tier 3 includes all the guys we just mentioned, but we have, like, almost 20 guys in, like, our Tier 3 of quarterback. Yeah. That's just that's just how deep that position is right now. But moving on to some tight ends, if, we, if the first one actually can even be counted as a tight end anymore – uh, let's talk about some of the top bets to be like first round guys. Cause I don't even care. You know, may, maybe like early down early day two guys. Okay. That, that's fine. But we just saw like the late day two tight ends this year, be guys like uh, Tommy Trimble and Hunter long. And they're not safe bets for early production whatsoever. Right. We want to get the, the next Kyle Pitts. right? Every, we want the fantasy points now, <laughs> like we're impatient. Right, right. So Eric Gilbert leaves LSU, goes to Georgia and, is the consensus top tight end, the, the highest ranked and rated tight end prospect in recruiting history, uh, leaves the program at LSU, goes to Georgia, and now they're saying, hey, we're actually going to play him at wide receiver. I'm thinking essentially he's going to play tight end in what whatever we call a tight end in today's NFL, which is basically just a big slot wide receiver. Uh, and that's probably how he's going to be used. Darnell Washington is a, another five-star guy they have there a tight end. They'll probably actually use him as a blocker and maybe a receiver in the end zone. But I'm not really super interested in him as much as I am Eric Gilbert just being the smash guy to target this year. And he's really a wide receiver slash tight end, right? In that, that kind of Mark Andrews kind of mold or really Travis Kelsey kind of mold. So how big of a tear break is for you, Stefan is there after Eric Gilbert?
1: Well, uh, it's, it's, it's significant, you know, but I, I think Michael Myers right there, like not that far behind. Um, as far as like what I think it means for the NFL, I don't know if he'll be utilized quite as much as we want to, uh, this year for Notre Dame. But I think once he gets to the NFL, they're going to utilize his receiving potential, uh, much more, but no, Notre Dame is notorious for having, you know, their tight ends and wide receivers look very similar, (laughs) you know, like these last couple of years. And maybe that's an Ian book problem where he just wasn't forcing the football down the field and they didn't have burners to to go down, down the field and get it. Um, Although, you know, chase Claypool was, what was going on with that. Um, But um, so, so to me, I think uh, his profile, I think could be very interesting once he gets to the NFL, someone that I'd, I'd be excited about. I'm also though, to be honest with you, man, like, I'm kind of high on, on Jalen Watermeyer, too, out of a and I, I think he could be extremely exciting. So um, while I think Gilbert is the standout, if anyone's going to kind of look like Kyle Pitts, it's him, I'm pretty excited about these, these high-end Tier 2 guys that we have. Um, I mean, throw Billingsley in there, too. We've talked about him before, um, and, and I like him, and I think he could be a pretty big part of Alabama's offense this year just you know, as one of the few returning starters from last year but after those those you know tier two guys it's after those dudes that the chasm really hits and i'm like yeah i just won't (laughs) be rostering any of these guys in any normal debbie league
2: yeah and that's it's it's tough uh because i mean if if it's not like a college the canton format where you have to kind of roster tight ends because you have a college roster to play every single week there's not a huge incentive to be like oh yeah i'm gonna go all, all in on tight end early But why Gilbert to me is so intriguing is he could be whatever. Uh, I think he's going to be a tight end designation when he gets to the pros. Uh, And he has that uh, size mixed with uh, incredible speed and ball skills that I think he could immediately uh, be that the next big Kyle Pitts phenom that we're all excited about and everyone's drooling over uh, in the year 2023 when he and Michael Mayer actually come out into the NFL. Jaleel Billingsley, you mentioned him of Alabama. He and Jalen Widermeyer are are both eligible for 2022. I think Widermeyer, being the uh, thicker, uh, more typical body for tight end, I'm a little bit higher on him. But Billingsley, we both we have they're they're pretty close in our collective rankings. Like they're you know in that uh, kind of pick 60ish range overall, um, which is pretty significant investment depending on the the depth of league that you play in. Uh, if you were starting this year, that's basically saying that they're both back into the fifth round type of investment, even though they're tight ends. Uh, but I don't think that either of them have that uh, top 10 NFL draft pick upside. I think Weinermeyer could sneak into round one. Billingsley could be a day two type of play. But Michael Mayer, uh, we keep on kind of alluding to him on the fringes here, but Notre Dame, he was a five star, a fringe five star tight end in the same class as Gilbert. Uh, and he actually was kind of the the go to a chain mover last year for Notre Dame because they were out some of the more uh, trustworthy guys that they were supposed to go to uh, in the preseason. I remember like Braden Lindsay and Kevin Austin were getting hyped up for them uh, and both of them missed time uh, and then they went a few different directions at wide receiver. But it, you know, they really had to rely on a true freshman tied end, and and he was up to the challenge, and and really having like, what, what was it like forty plus catches as a true freshman? That's really really rare for a tight end in college. Like tight ends just don't produce in college. I think I've said it a thousand times on this show and others. It just doesn't happen. So, uh, do you think right. that Mayer is somebody who could get first round capital as well?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think uh, to your point, I think his numbers be to that as a freshman putting up 450 yards and averaging over 10 and a half yards of reception the dude is like primed to be their go-to weapon on offense again i think they had some exciting wide receivers um brought in but to me he's he's going to be the focal point of that passing offense and i know you're a huge buckner fan so it could yeah. really be uh be a nice safety blanket for him to have someone exciting for him to go to
2: yeah and even if jack Cohn's the guy this year uh, he he was known to go even at Wisconsin to his tight end quite a bit with uh, Jake Ferguson. So I think that's a, a nice pairing with Jack Cohn or Tyler Buckner, whoever's at the helm at any point for Notre Dame. So Michael Michael Mayer, his stock should continue to rise. Another wild card guy. I think I'm the only one that has him in a, a, among our rankers. Uh, have having him uh, has him in the top 100 uh, overall. But Austin Stogner of Oklahoma, I mentioned. Uh, a couple of these guys looking like a modern day Mark Andrews. Stockner is Mark Andrews, and he played for the same college team in the same exact scheme. Even like he's right there doing it. He's like a that big slot slash tight end that is athletic uh, and should probably continue to produce uh, this year. Even though Oklahoma is absolutely stacked at wide receiver, they still found a way to feed Stockner as well. So I think Stockner is is big enough, athletic enough that I think he's going to find a way to get some capital. Could be a day two guy next year. He had over 400 receiving yards in just eight healthy games last year. So at 6'6", 260, he's somebody that I think we all should probably take a look at and perhaps rank uh, even higher near the tier of Julio Bellingsley and Jalen Weidemeyer. But uh, any other tight ends you want to talk about before we get into some controversial running backs and wide receivers, guys we disagree on a little bit?
1: No, I mean, I was I was going... I mean, Charlie Kohler for uh, Iowa State is a, is a dude that I think people um, should be interested in, but I think he... Their offense isn't going to highlight him. I think he's he's a big-bodied tight end. He's a, a pretty decent blocker. I think he could see, you know, again, day two capital, but not someone that you need to be rostering in devy um at this point
2: yeah unless it's a pretty deep league i'm not super interested in him either but i do think he gets he could be that uh, sneakier day two tight end that uh, you get super late in a lot of rookie drafts that next year in dynasty and uh could come into yeah. play for fantasy football for sure but before we uh, kick over to some controversial running backs and wide receivers uh, just a word from our sponsors
1: fantasy leagues in 2021
2: so we talked about some quarterbacks uh, some of the top names and some of the deeper guys and how next year could be full of guys with great passing profiles but maybe less than stellar mobility numbers uh talked about some top tight ends but kicking it over to some running backs because that's the position that uh we all are always looking for the next big thing uh in fantasy football we're all even in, even if you're just a A casual fan of football, you all always want to know the top-notch running back names to know. This year's running backs were kind of gross, right? (laughs) They were uh, outside of Najee Harris, Travis Etienne, Javante Williams. Uh, I mean, maybe you can squint and get excited about Trey Sermon, or maybe you can really squint and poke one eye out and like look at like (laughs) Michael Carter. Uh, and think that he's going to be a thing for the Jets. Uh, I know you like Michael Carter. I liked him too, but I'm not sure about the, the landing spot, and he was still a fourth-round fourth, fourth round pick. A Kind of a shallow class. We knew that for, well, really, a few years going in into this, that it was going to be a shallow class. And then next year again, it looks like kind of a shallow class. 2023 looks like it could be stacked at running back. But even if you look at the recruiting ranks this year, it looks like, we're going to be in for another shallow running back class so finding the right guys the right ones to believe in in the next couple years could be a huge 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 difference maker in fantasy football because the list of of names coming in seems to just be getting shorter and shorter and shorter with the exception of maybe the 2023 class so looking at just next year's guys uh, there are a few obvious names that we're pretty confident in Brees Hall all the big draft nicks are already talking about him. Isaiah Spiller, same deal. It's like those guys are kind of in a league of their own. Kyron Williams, pretty much top five in anybody's list that you, you want to talk to. Notre Dame running back. Uh, maybe he needs to clean up some ball security stuff and maybe get uh, a couple pounds heavier, maybe. But Eric Gray is going to be somebody that I think is very controversial uh, until he officially explodes for Oklahoma. Because I know Matt Wispey, Uh, loves him like uh, fellow Debbie wrote of his ranker loves Eric Gray and has essentially bullied you and I into ranking him higher. (laughs) But uh, I mean, what are your thoughts on him? Like what do you think it's just a done deal that Eric Gray is going to be the dude this year?
1: No, I don't. Um, And uh, Matt and I will go round and round on this, but like
2: (laughs) glad he's not here to defend himself
1: then. (laughs) Yeah. No, that makes it way easier to, uh, to, to try to win a debate. Um, Like, I think Eric Gray is a really talented running back. I'm excited for what he can do, but I just want to, like, I'm just going to read over two seasons. I'm going to talk about a guy with 274 carries for 2,067 yards and, and 18 rushing touchdowns, and then throw in, in those 23 games, you know, 20 receptions, 140 yards receiving. I'm talking about a man named Kennedy Brooks. Like, Kennedy Brooks missed last year because of an injury, uh, but he's back. He is in that Oklahoma backfield. and I don't think he's ha- ready to hand over the keys to the car or to, to Eric Gray and be like, yeah, go go ahead and and take it and, and, and roll with it. Um, I'm just gonna watch it from the sidelines. like Kennedy Brooks came back because he wants to play and he wants to get some draft capital of his own. So I don't and I don't think Lincoln Riley is gonna be like done with him either. He saw what Kennedy can do. Uh, so so to me, Eric Gray is gonna have to, uh, be otherworldly to take Kennedy Brooks off the field. I just don't see that happening. Um, I don't see Kennedy Brooks giving that away. And because, like, I kind of view, again, I was high on Kennedy Brooks his freshman year. I kind of called my shot on him, so <laughs> I might be overly high on him. Um, in fact, everyone else kind of moved him up, and I stayed level, and so I'm no longer the high guy. But but I, I just believe in, in Kennedy Brooks' talent, and so I can't just be, like, no, yeah, so it's all it's all Eric Gray. So to me, there's too much risk uh, to want to pay the price on Eric Gray when you can get Kennedy Brooks so much later, um, still invest in that Oklahoma backfield. And who knows? Like, I put it at 50-50 myself um, as to which one ends up being more productive this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'm not willing to take the risk on Eric Gray.
2: Yeah. And what's funny is it's not too often people might be listening that play Debbie and confidently rank Eric Gray highly and are just thinking, Stefan, what are you doing? Like, what are you, what are you talking about? But how often do we just completely dismiss a running back at Oklahoma that puts up back to back, like 1100 yard seasons in their first two years? Like, has that ever been done? Like until now, like I know we missed time last year and Yes, he faces some kind of uh, easier boxes because of the the scheme for Oklahoma. But, uh, you know, even when he was sharing the backfield with Trey Sermon uh, back in 2018, he actually had more rushing yards, and he actually was more efficient with his touches than Trey Sermon, a guy that just got day two capital. And then in his next season, in Ramondre Stevenson's first year with Oklahoma, uh, Stevenson wasn't like a freshman, by the way. He was a JUCO transfer, one of the top JUCO transfers coming in. Uh, And he actually easily surpassed the production of Ramondre Stevenson. Stevenson just, of course, got fourth round capital. And so Kennedy Brooks returns. Eric Gray is the new kid in town, Uh, comes uh, over from Tennessee, who has a pretty good resume. Uh, Even on a dumpster fire Tennessee squad, he was doing good things. But yeah, I think this year we're going to see both of them produce. We did see Ramondre Stevenson put up like almost 900 yards from scrimmage. In the final six games for Oklahoma last year, but uh, I think it's going to be more of a split this year. They, Ramondre Stevenson became the guy because he was actually suspended for the first half of last year, and they needed some continuity. Like they kept on, uh, because Brooks was gone, they were in this weird situation. They were just trying the hot hand at running back, and they were like, "Oh, thank God, Th- thank goodness, Ramondre's back," and just fed him. But I think now that they have two good running backs, they're just going to feed both of them. And even yeah. even though that's not necessarily a bad thing, I think that will knock Eric Gray's stock. Uh, and I'm not saying Kennedy Brooks is going to be a first rounder. I'm not even saying that he's necessarily going to be a day two pick. I'm just thinking that both of these guys, like what what happens if they both split? They get about around 1,000 yards a thousand yards apiece, and they're both early day three guys. Like then you're going to be kind of kind of just upset that you spent whatever you did to acquire Eric Gray uh, as early as he's going in drafts and as high as I've seen him go in auction formats. So yeah, I totally get it just because I, I think Eric Gray is very good. I think he should be a day two pick when it's all said and done, but I just think it, it's not as clear cut as uh, the community of, of Debbie nerds like ourselves are trying to make it uh, for sure. <laughs> so I'm right, right there with you. I, I I think it would be really, really weird if Kennedy Brooks you know didn't get some decent draft capital anyway.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I, yeah I, just, I don't get it. And, I mean, I get it. I understand. People are excited about the new toy. Um, oh, yeah. Always. But, but it doesn't mean you you forget about the rest. You know, like No. There's a reason I still play with, I don't know, I was going to say I still play with my old toys, but I, that doesn't really make any sense because I'm <laughs> a 40-year-old yeah. man.
2: Yeah. Well, hey, let's talk about a guy that we're all down on compared to, I think, most people. Uh, And maybe we're not right for doing so, but Zemir White or Zeus, uh, you know, he was the top running back recruit in his class uh, years ago now. Uh, Missed some time with injury and uh, he has had, you know, some knee issues and uh, hasn't been the most efficient back and does not catch any passes whatsoever. Has eight career receptions in two seasons for Georgia and really hasn't at any time looked like super explosive like the the player that we thought he could be as a recruit uh and so i I don't think we have him ranked even in the top like 40 uh i think i don't think any of us do which is so are we are we all wrong for that or uh, what's your take on that because he he does still play for georgia like what happens if georgia's really efficient and he's the league guy uh is is a georgia running back and a really efficient offense gonna somehow miss out on day two capital
1: so I'm a I'm a bit higher on Zamir than Matt and yourself. I've got him actually just right behind Kyron Williams in my rankings. So like I, I like him quite a bit, but to your point, it's all based on potential, not based on what he has done. Uh, so so I totally get everyone being kind of skeptical. But to your point, like I expect Georgia to be really, really good this year. I expect Georgia to not change their identity completely just because JT Daniels looked good. I still think they're going to want to play tight, conservative game plans where they're running the football a lot, and I think White is going to get a lot of carries, and I think he may not be very efficient with them, but I do think that he's going to – I think he'll get to 1,000 yards and double-digit touchdowns. Uh, Hopefully he can eclipse the double-digit receptions. He's going to be fine. Uh, I think the reason why I'm not all in on him is because he hasn't lived up to the potential. He hasn't lived up to the to the billing of being the number one running back in that class. And there's other guys that just have a much better all-around game. So, like what we saw last year in the NFL draft, you might be the number five running back taken, but that doesn't mean you're getting good draft day capital. No, that means you're going pretty not anymore because yeah, because the number five running back is going day three these days. Yeah, So I get a little bit nervous about that.
2: Yeah, and so finding these guys uh, that are going to sneak up and be in that day two conversation, like Zemir might be, uh, he, he might be a good bet, and he has been falling, so maybe he's a value. Maybe I'm wrong, but uh, I really need to see more explosiveness out of him, and I really want to see Georgia not just go with kind of a committee at, at, at times like they did last year. I mean, they had five guys with over 30 carries in just eight games. Like I mean, with Zamir, Kenny McIntosh, James Cook, Dalvin's brother, uh, Dajun Edwards, and Ken, Kendall Milton. I, I know a lot of people like Kendall Milton. He's kind of a yeah. a feature back body who who could catch it. Uh, he didn't really get used in that way last year, but um, yeah, th- that's just a backfield I'm going to watch because I'm not sure we might have a little gap here. They've been our you know running back. You uh, having some guys come out, but I think there might be a little break. Uh, unless Zamir really steps up and looks like the running back of old that we were all excited about like three-plus years ago. But it might not be in the cards. But a couple more 2022 guys. Zach Charbonnet, can you please explain to me why I should be excited excited about Zach Charbonnet still, even though you know he didn't do much last year and now he's transferring to UCLA? Uh, what's the sell with him?
1: Okay, I love Zach Charbonnet. Um, especially now that he is no longer um, in Michigan, and Chip Kelly gets to uh, utilize him. Uh, so over on Rotoviz, we have uh, a tool that d- like can can measure uh, a player's freak score, and um, our boy Zach Charbonnet is off the charts. And so um, Charbonnet is six foot two, two fifteen, so he's a big dude, um, but he has four four speed. So he's a big dude that can flat out fly. (laughs) And that makes me extremely, extremely excited. He also has a super high um, recruiting pedigree. He was a running back four um, in the 2019 class with like a 0.976 score, which is like really, really high. So he has that pedigree. Everyone projected him as a, Day one, possibly, but more likely an early day two draft pick. So he has the stock. Um, and to me, if he can go out and produce at UCLA, and I don't know why he wouldn't. Um, they're returning so many players there. Chip Kelly is going to be able to have a lot of fun with this offense. I could see people overlooking the pa- the fact that he didn't ball out last year as a, as a sophomore and, and give him the benefit of the doubt, and rightfully so. And he has the potential, um, in my opinion, of all the running backs, he has the potential to climb the highest based on where he's being kind of ranked now. Based on where he could end up being drafted, um, I think he is the guy. Like, if you want to call your shot on someone to make a huge jump, he's the guy to do it with.
2: Yeah, that's that's a pretty good sale. I'm not I'm not sure I'm buying it, but that was that was uh, well done. Like talking about the potential, <laughs> talking about the potential, talking about the the new ce- change of scenery. But man, like it's it's, and you did really well for a guy who was coming off of a, a season where he, he averaged like five touches a game last year, right? Right. <laughs> and so uh, let's hope he just gets the reins, I guess, uh, with UCLA because UCLA's are, they they have a really wide range of outcomes this year. They've got a Absolutely. really veteran quarterback and DTR Dorian Thompson Robinson. Yeah.
1: He's been there for twelve years, man. Yeah. It feels like we've about him Yeah, been he's in his twelfth
2: season for UCLA, <laughs> and uh, they have you know kind of a veteran crew of, of receiving options that could kind of spread things out. They don't have that burner, but uh, you know they've got a good option. They kind of run through the tight end and uh, a trusty guy named Kyle Phillips. Uh, but they also still have Britton Brown re- returning. I actually was high yeah. on him even back when he was with Duke, and then transferred out of there because who wants to play for Duke? And uh, he actually was decent last year. Uh, kind of the uh, big, bigger-bodied guy to kind of give a punch to go with Demetric Felton, um, and Zach Charbonnet is going to be there as well, but I'm really high on a freshman there, Deshaun Morel, Uh He's actually, he was back-to-back, like, All-American-type finalist because he had back-to-back 2,100-yard seasons in high school. Uh, really... Uh, late commit to UCLA. Uh, Penn State tried to steal him away. He had, I think, nearly forty different offers because everyone was just trying to figure out how to get this kid on their team. And now he's kind of a, a border, you know, fringe four-star, three-star type player. Uh, but he's an athlete. He's he, he's got that four four-ish type speed. Uh, to me, he looks more like what they want out of their running back. So if there is any point at which Britton Brown or Zach Charbonnet is not showing enough burst and is is not showing enough efficiency and is not showing that they can contribute as receiver I could see Deshaun Morrell coming in as as a burst of uh, lightning and and eating into significant work that we like to go to Charbonnet or you know deeper college to guys I would like to see go to Britton Brown and so that's my concern is that he might just never ever get the reins given fully to him anywhere ever again despite his bad agreed despite what the whatever potential we think there is and so that's my hesitation there and if it is that UCLA still finds a way to be mediocre then uh, even if he is giving the reins to the offense it still might not be might not be good enough because well it's 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 UCLA but but I, I, I get the argument for him, given where he came from where he could go. Speaking of guys, where they came from and where they could go, and especially this year, Ty Chandler, North Carolina, uh, I think I've, I've continued to move him slowly up and further and further and further in my ranks. I moved him down because I got burned because he didn't break out immediately for Tennessee. But he was a four-star, almost five-star type player back in the day as a recruit. Uh, really crazy burst of speed. Uh, not a, a huge back, but he has the most experience by far among any of the North Carolina backfield uh, running backs this year. And North Carolina is going to be a really healthy offense. And all the buzz this spring, all the buzz early this summer is Ty Chandler is that dude for the offense. Uh, an offense that just basically gave, what, over a thousand yards to both Javante Williams and Michael Carter. We could see easily. 1,200 plus yards total for Ty Chandler in his super senior year and uh, be that running back four or five next year that kind of comes out of nowhere. Uh, but do you think he has that kind of upside or do you think he's capped at like a day three guy?
1: I think he has the upside. I um, I was just looking at our at our scores for him. And if you combine you and Matt's score, you get to my score for, <laughs> for Ty Chandler. But that's more because Matt is super, super low on him. And I think Matt's low on him just because of – you know, you, you combine super and senior and all of a sudden the running back is a lot less appealing, Mm -hmm. Uh, but I think he has the potential to, to jump up into day two capital. And like you and I um, have talked about with running backs, uh, maybe that's a bit of a, maybe that's a bit high. Uh, We'd have to see kind of a shift from this past draft on how teams are drafting running backs for him to maybe get there because uh, I don't think he's going to be a top four running back. Uh, Mm -hmm. But I don't care as much about the age that, are, that a running back enters the NFL these days because very few running backs are playing into their second contract anyway. I'm pretty certain that the teams are willing to, to get a somewhat, somewhat older dude, play him for four years, and then move on to the next guy. So I don't know if Ty Chandler is going to be the, the running back who you are early on now. You get him on your team, and then you... You know, all of a sudden you stumbled into Saquon Barkley. No, but I think he's someone that can be really productive in the NFL uh, because I think he's going to have a huge season of just the vacated numbers in UNC. Like you mentioned, with those guys being being drafted, uh, he has the the opportunity to to really shine.
2: Oh, yeah. And so I'm really excited to see what could happen. Uh, with with Ty Chandler, so we'll we'll, uh, we'll see what happens there. But there's a couple other guys I like, Morrow Edmonds coming in. Uh, they've got another running back that they seem to like uh, uh, this spring. That was kind of a three star guy as well. They could you know take some carries away, but I think he's he's got the a uh, stranglehold on that starting job and probably is not going to relinquish it. But uh, I know that it, it's a running back conversation. We haven't even brought up the t- top 2023 20, guys like Bijan Robinson of Texas. Tank Bigsby of Auburn, uh, Jameer Gibbs of Georgia Tech. Some people uh, really love Jace McClellan of uh, Alabama. I definitely like Zachary Evans. Just talked about uh, him with Colm and uh, Sean on the show this week. Uh, The flagship wrote of his show this week. Uh, But uh, those guys are kind of slam dunks, obvious. We don't even really disagree on ranking them incredibly high, all of them. But after those names... You don't have to go very far to just get into a range of kind of huge question marks uh, for 2023. But for me, Jalen Berger running back Wisconsin is my next up because of the opportunity at hand in a system that loves to run the football with a quarterback that is entering his second year starting for the team in Graham Mertz uh, coming off last year where it was super weird. They were just rolling out just half squads because of COVID at time for Wisconsin uh, Garrett Groschek is gone. Nakia Watson is gone. Jalen Berger is the guy now. They, they bring in one okay transfer running back, but not much competition for for Jalen Berger. And if you know anything about Wisconsin, they love to feed their running backs like crazy. They've had a few 2,000-yard rushers in recent years, like Jonathan Taylor, like Melvin Gordon. They've even had some decent receiving backs like James White. But Jalen Berger, for me, could be the guy that, to take that next step and join the cohort of top five running backs for the 2023 guys that we just mentioned. So uh, I'm higher on him than most. I think I have him inside my top like 30, 36 overall. Um, Is there anything for you that's holding you back from ranking him that highly?
1: No, I mean, not not really. Other than there's other more, maybe guys that I think are a bit more exciting, have a little bit higher uh, potential upside based on their uh, recruiting pedigree. Or so, so it's not so much that I'm down on him as much as I'm higher on some, some other backs. Um, but I've got a couple shares of, of Berger in, um, and in both Debbie and some, uh, campus to Canton, uh, leagues. So, uh, I, I've got a, I've got a fair, fair okay. share of him. How about this? Some-
2: him or like a 2022 guy like Jerry and Ely or Kevin Harris, because I've seen those guys, both of them, be ranked higher than him. I have Berger just barely ahead of both.
1: So Kevin Harris, I like because I feel like the entire offense is going to be run through him. Uh, he, he's like, a, he can do it all. So I really like Kevin Harris. And who was the other back that you mentioned? Jerry and Ely. My boy, Jerry and Ely. <laughs> your dude. Yeah. I love Jerry and Ely. We were talking about him before the show, and I know that you're concerned about his size um, weighing in at 190. I think he is just so dynamic and so special, and he gets the benefit of having an an offensive mastermind um, as a head coach who's going to scheme him open um, in the running game as well as the passing game. So I am so high on Ely. I kind of planted my flag with him, and – I don't love trusting an Ole Miss running back, but here I am. <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah and, and I love him. I, I love what he does. He's a really balanced skill set. I think if if they would just decide to do it, he could easily, uh, you know, and give him the workload, he could easily coast to fifteen hundred yards this year because Ole Miss is really solid on offense and they spread it out and they need some pass catchers and he can pass, <laughs> he can catch passes out of the backfield really well. Could be a really fun dual threat, but I really want him to see. I uh, want to see if he can just gain a little bit more weight before he gets to the pros. He absolutely has to do that uh, for me to rank him super high. But he would be probably the top candidate of mine to to bet on if he did gain much of any, any weight whatsoever to vault up into the top four uh, running backs for next year, like and pass somebody like an Eric Gray. Uh, if it does happen that way, uh, so yeah, it's not like I'm really low on him. He's just a really crazy, good athlete. He could play baseball professionally if he wanted. He could play football professionally if he wanted. And so he's just an all-around star. I think he could sneak into day two capital, even if he doesn't get the size, but just a lower percentage bet due to being a little bit scrawny. Uh, maybe it's just he hasn't you know decided to uh, pack on it, the weight, just to keep him, I don't know, in better shape for baseball. I don't really get it. I don't know what what's holding him up there, but... On to wide receivers, and we'll close out. There are some controversial names there that we can talk about. I mean, we could just spend probably an entire show talking about the the top few programs wide receivers. And I talked about a bunch oh, of those yeah. this week with Calm and Sean on the show uh, as a guest. But uh, how many years do we have, like, no sure thing that we're betting on for Clemson coming out? Like, even just this last year, I mean, we had, what, Amari Rogers come out, and he— Barely got day two capital. But we're talking about two years in a row where we might have uh, Clemson not giving us surefire top names. I know that Justin Ross could bounce back and be amazing. There's been a bunch of buzz about him being in the slot this year, and that's going to be amazing. And uh, EJ Williams uh, did something. EJ Williams, and I think I actually have him ranked higher than anybody else. Uh, Some people are still waiting on Joe Ngata. Or Frank Gladson to do something, uh, and then they have two brand new freshmen, Bo Collins, who actually played high school ball with the quarterback there, DJ Uyanglale, Uh, and uh, Dakari uh, Collins, I think is his name, uh, another four-star guy coming in. They they keep on bringing in these high pedigree wide receivers, but who who are we betting on? Because when I look around, I see so much variance in the rankings for every single one of these guys. So you said EJ Williams is your guy. Why are you, 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 I guess, why are you putting your chips on EJ Williams?
1: Six foot four, 190, and fast. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> it's, it's, it's that simple. And he was, you know, really high. I mean, we're talking about Clemson here, so they're all going to be really high recruits. But, uh, you know, he had a, a 24-7 composite score of uh, 90 to 82, so, like, really high. I just think he could be extremely exciting. Uh, I just envision, like... His size with uh, DJ Uyunglele throwing him the football, I, I see beautiful things in their future. Uh, I think he could really produce. I think he could become the alpha of that wide receiver room pretty pretty soon. Uh, so so to me, uh, EJ Williams is, is someone that I'm willing to uh, to bet on. And uh, the thing I like about him too is you like he's the class of 2023. So you don't have to wait quite as long as you do on some of these, these freshmen. And then Justin Ross just makes me a little bit nervous with the, with the injury history. It's not like he's coming back from even a torn ACL. Like we thought he was never going to play. Yeah. Yeah. We thought he was never going to play football again. And I mean, good for him, I guess that he's back. It makes me nervous though. Talking about it, even like, should he be playing football? I'm not a doctor. I don't know, but, uh, but it's scary nonetheless. And I, I will just, I don't like investing in that kind of risk.
2: Me either. And I don't have, this might be the first time since I started uh, doing any kind of Debbie fantasy football that uh, I have no Clemson wide receivers in my top 24 or even 25 ranked Debbie assets or De- Debbie players. Like Justin Ross is the closest thing. EJ Williams is right up there near him. Uh, but, you know, really, if you look at the production profiles, none of them. Uh, come in like if, if when we look at drafted profiles uh, for you know production right. profiles for drafted wide receivers none of them are even at the 30th percentile going into the season so one of them is going to pop maybe two of them this year I just don't really know which one it's going to be because Nagata could do it because he's got the upside just hasn't been healthy Ladson could do it EJ Williams could do it Justin Ross could do it again uh, but there's just way more questions than I think I've ever had about the Clemson wide receiver set this year. We, I mean, on a few other shows, though, we've talked about the Alabama guys. Uh, but you can you tell me on Jojo Earl being the guy over somebody like Ajayi Hall?
1: Um, again, I, I feel like I don't have um, – it's not like I have a crystal ball and I can <laughs> tell you what's going to happen. Yeah. That would be nice if I did. I kind of felt like I needed to make a call early because mm-hmm. there were so many questions going on around it, and JoJo Earl was just the guy that popped uh, for me. Just being able, to, just just seeing his, you know, some of his his high school um, tape. Uh, I love that he's the number six wide receiver in the class. Like he's he's super high recruit, um, and again, pretty fast. I, I'm a little bit nervous on the size. Like he's only like five ten. Um, maybe that's when he's on his toes, even too. Like um, so. I could easily be swayed to Aji Hall or whomever you want to throw at me. Um, I I don't have a strong take on why yeah. he's the guy that I'm putting faith in. I don't know. Talk to me. What, what are your thoughts on yeah. the Alabama So he situation? fits
2: the mold that we've seen recently, right? He looks like the fast, uh, skinnier, uh, quick separation like Devontae Smith or Jalen Waddell or even like Jerry Judy wasn't a huge guy or even Henry Ruggs was just like a slant and he's gone guy. Jojo Earl looks like that. Uh, Ajayi Hall is a little bit bigger bodied and Ja'Corty Brooks is certainly bigger bodied, a huge guy coming out of IMG Academy, Uh, just been bigger and faster than everybody ever uh, since he began as a football recruit. Uh, So I don't mind betting on any of the three. I think I mentioned before I actually have one of each in my leagues right. right now that I've been playing in. So I I just think that Alabama is going to be stacked again. And we're going to see a trio come out in a few years. Uh, again, uh, we're going to yet, see a little bit of a break. I'm not super high on Mechie. but well, that um, was going
1: to be my point. Is I'd rather go with one of these new new guys um, and just pass on Mechie altogether. Yeah, because uh, Mechie's going earlier too.
2: Here. So it's it's just yeah. it costs way more to get somebody because. People are already mocking him to go higher just because he's the next Alabama guy, but I'm not sure that's just a done deal yet either, uh, because he frankly right. has a trash profile. Uh, despite you know having no excuses last year, he should have produced a little bit more. Jalen Waddle was gone, uh, but uh, you know Devontae Smith took all the work, but he, he definitely <laughs> yeah, he could did. have done way way more last year. Still only accounted for like 16, 17 percent of Alabama's offense through the air, which is super weak sauce. So I'm not really super. <laughs> uh super high on john met which might be controversial but i don't really care uh but uh, before we sign off though uh just a couple more of the 2023 guys because uh, that could be a really fun wide receiver group i talked about this a little bit with sean and colma on, on their show this week but quentin johnston is a name that is not being sold as a potential wide receiver one for uh, the 2023 crew because it's everyone's all in on Keyshawn Boutte or they're all in on Marvin Mims or they're all in on maybe even R- Rakeem Jarrett just because he has the the best pedigree out, outside of any of these guys. But for me, Quentin Johnston coming out, out of TCU, uh, only entering his second year, already accounted for nearly 27% of the offense last year uh, as a true freshman. Uh, being one of the best deep threats in all of college football in his first action, showing that he can be a yak monster, too, in terms of a per-target basis, uh, being a top 40 guy by that measure right away. Uh, so I'm higher than uh, any of our rankers on him, and I've actually got him over uh, a bunch of top names. He's actually just just outside my top 30 overall uh, right now. Uh, so it, it, where does he rank among, you know, like the the uh, rising sophomores, guys going into their second year of college for you at wide receiver? Do you know?
1: Um, I mean, I don't know <laughs> well, off the <laughs> top of my head where I have him compared to some of those other guys. But do you have him behind like, uh,
2: all three of the guys I mentioned, though, like Kayshawn, Boutte, Raheem Jarrett, and Marvin Mims easily.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And Jordan Addison. Um even uh Jackson Smith and Jigba, who, you know, hasn't done a whole lot yet, but I, I expect a lot from, although with that wide receiver room, who freaking knows? Yeah. Um but but I do like him. I like Quentin Johnson. I think one of the difficult things that he has to deal with is the fact that is Dugan is Duggan still the quarterback there in TCU? Yeah, like, yeah he is. I mean, I feel like it's really hard. Like it's either you know, a one yard bubble route or he's <laughs> YOLOing it down the field to, to Quentin, which is great, but I just don't have a whole lot of faith in that offense. And maybe that's unfair. It's definitely unfair uh, because that's not what, uh, that's not the entire story of what makes a, a great wide receiver prospect. But I do get nervous that he might not see the quality of balls that some of these other guys that we're talking about um, will see yeah. because of uh, a better quarterback play.
2: Quarterback play, to me, is the only argument against him because I, we saw Jalen Rager struggle with six different quarterbacks in his time at TCU. Uh, Quentin Johnson right. at least has some continuity early on, I guess, but yeah. that might be the only four. thing. That's exciting. Yeah, he's he's long, lanky, fast, really fun. Uh, somebody that I think we need to pay more attention to could be the next iteration of, of whatever A.J. Green was back in the day. Uh, I'm that kind of high on him. I I think I may even move him up just, just thinking about it. But (laughs) but, (laughs) uh, before we uh, sign off here, uh, you know, one more name I want to get, I want you to talk about your guy, the first, first round uh, wide receiver out of Oregon, like in forever. Uh, 72 since like 19, (laughs) yeah, 1972 Troy Franklin. Cause I mean, we could talk about a bunch of other freshman wide receivers, but Troy Franklin I just actually drafted him in, in a deeper college decant league because he is the highest rated Oregon wide receiver of all time, uh, yeah. according to the recruiting services. So he is a five-star kind of kid, absolute difference maker. T- tell me about Troy Franklin and why he's going first round.
1: Yeah, love, love, love Troy Franklin. The reason he's going first round is because he will have Ty Thompson throwing him the football for many years, and that's going to be a very beautiful thing. <sighs> I like Troy Franklin a lot. And to be honest, like he would be the number – like the best recruit uh, anyone's gotten (laughs) because he was – I think he was the number two or number three receiver in the 2021 class, uh, five-star kid, super, super excited. Joe Moorhead being the offensive coordinator at Oregon, I think, could make a difference. One of the things that's difficult for wide receivers from Oregon is they just – you rarely see someone with a a super high dominator rating. I don't Mm. think we've had a thousand yard receiver since Dylan Mitchell. And then before then it was all the way back to 2013. So it's just not something you see very often with that offense because it's so high tempo because it's so predicated on the RPO and and the the wide running game. You see a lot of ball distribution to various players. That's why guys like Johnny Johnson, the third and Jalen red like people that no one else has heard of (laughs) see a lot of targets is because it's a fast paced offense. I think Troy Franklin is a difference maker that could force them to feed him the rock a little bit more. And maybe he's able to break out this year. Um, Maybe he's able to have a a super high dominator rating because he's going to be The main man. I will say, Oregon has been recruiting and signing some pretty high-level wide receivers. Uh, They had two or three, four stars join Franklin. Uh, We just signed another one this past week, who's a track star uh, for 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 next year. So the wide receiver room is is loaded. It's not like maybe the high-level talent like we hear about at Ohio State and Bama, but Oregon's wide receiver room is really, really really good so i actually don't think troy franklin gets drafted in the first round unfortunately i wish i did Um, i think he will be a solid day two pick though i think he will kind of change the uh kind of the story that wide receivers from oregon have had i think he has the opportunity to be special
2: let's hope and and given where we have him ranked that makes sense as a day two projection with crazy athletic upside uh you know maybe like how do you feel about about being in like the terrace marshall category like he, maybe yeah, he doesn't, absolutely. you know, like a high upside day two guy and being ranked in like the 80s overall as a true freshman gives us time to move him up the ranks and uh, eventually be a high upside day two wide receiver. And that's exactly where we have him ranked right now. Maybe we could rank him a little bit higher given his pedigree, but uh, the program and how they distribute right. the ball and, and uh, all the pieces are around him. Might dictate that he's not like a an automatic uh, first rounder one right. day, but maybe maybe he does buck the trend. I, I'm I'm rooting yeah. for that.
1: I'm rooting for it too. But Oregon also has so many guys coming back. They do has super seniors and stuff like that, and that, good freshmen around you know, so. him. Like yeah, yep. So he's going to see playing time. That's not that's not the question. But there's just so many other guys there that it might be hard. Like if he went to a different school, I, I think we'd be a little bit more excited about him. Which is hard for me <laughs> to say as an Oregon fan, but.
2: Yeah. Well, hey, you know, we, we've covered a ton in the show, went up and down the Rotoviz rankings. If you want to check these out in depth, top to bottom, one to 100 that we have posted on the site, you can do that at Rotoviz.com. If you're not a subscriber, it's totally worth it because of all the tools that we have at Rotoviz. Just, uh, I mean, I, I don't, I've never seen anything like it in, in my life. I'm, I'm actually just proud to be a part of uh, the team but uh we'll, we'll dive into a ton more college football talk here soon as soon as the uh, season approaches and again remember here pretty soon stefan is going to be taking over kind of the more long form show have some awesome guests i'll be uh, doing a shorter form show we'll actually be doing two episodes a week here soon uh, around the beginning of august kicking off the season with more content for you guys. We'll have some overlap. I'll be on the show with Stefan. He'll be on the show with me back and forth, but just want to keep the content flow rolling for you guys. But again, you can find me on Twitter at FF underscore Travis M. You can find Stefan at Stafunlico on Twitter. And uh, you guys take care and look forward to football here soon. And I look forward to many more episodes of the College Ticket and podcast.